Welcome to the Perp Web Podcast, hosted by Joe Bosch. John Ingram, new technology number two. Okay, let's go with John. And I'm going to pull your slides up. Okay, okay guys. So um, I'm going to do a similar thing, Joe. Uh, this this technology has probably been out a little a little while, and uh, it's really exploding. And I thought that maybe it'd be a good to uh, to talk about it, review it. Maybe we can learn some things, but also for maybe some people who haven't seen very much of it or don't do very much of it. So um, this is going to be about the Impella 5.5 with Smart Assist Heart Pump Technology. And um, I don't have any disclosures on this. Uh, I don't I don't own stock in the company. I'm not friends with the rep. He didn't take me out to dinner. Nothing <laughs> like that. So if we can go ahead and we check it, it out. <laughs> so um, don't feel bad, John. Medtronic, didn't, Medtronic won't even support our programs, okay? So, and I still did their device. It's just the way it is. Okay, so the purpose is to produce, um, uh, well, I, I mean, uh, my screen is cut off there, actually. I can't see the, uh, the whole thing for some reason. But um, the indications are, you know, it's, it's um, uh, going to, it's a treatment for cardiogenic shock uh, that usually is acute within 48 hours of an MI. This was the original intention of, the Impella device. So it's an acute cardiogenic shock situation from an MI or following cardiac surgery, maybe due to cardiomyopathy or myocarditis. But it's a result of isolated ventricular failure, usually the left or the right. And uh, it's, it's a ventricular failure that's not responsive to optical medical management and conventional treatment measures like balloon pump or whatever you might, might have. Uh, contraindications uh, would be if you have a mural thrombus in the left ventricle, this, this device is going to end up in the left ventricle, so a mural thrombus in there would be detrimental. A, a mechanical aortic valve is going to be a contraindication because this device is pretty large and has to go across the valve. Severe aortic stenosis or insufficiency for sort of similar reasons. An ASD or VSD LV rupture or severe right heart failure. And I think you're going to see um, why, why some of those things are. All right, so uh, we're just going to kind of do uh, uh, an overview of this particular Impella, the 5.5 with Smart Assist, talk about some key components, talk about the console, the controller, and there's something called a purge that goes along with this to keep it operating properly. There's a purge system. Then we're going to talk about how to properly position it and how to manage it. So what we're going to do, as I said, describe the Impella with heart assist. We're going to identify key components, the controller, the function of the purge, and the position. So we can go ahead with that. So there's a, a family of, of these catheters that, have, that they've developed and um, that, that Abiumet has developed with this. And it kind of started off with the Impella 2.5, which the whole intent originally was to, to support uh, you know, PCI procedures, percutaneous coronary intervention and basically just offers some, you know, just some cardiogenic support, cardiovascular support. And the Impella 2.5, it only flowed about 2 to 2.5 liters a minute, which is why it got, how it gets its name. But then they realized after a while that it actually had a lot more applications than that. So they have uh, the Impella CP and they have the 5.0, which now flows 5 liters. They have the uh, RP, Impella RP there on the lower left which is for right ventricular support. That's actually kind of a, a different uh, cannula, but we can talk about that on another day. And then the one today I'm going to feature is kind of the latest and greatest, but has really gained a lot of traction out there 
the Impella 5.5, and then the console, and it has smart assist technology that they've added with the catheter combining with the controller. So if you've never really seen one, the catheter um, basically is shaped like that, and it's at an angle like that, and it's rigid, that is not flexible in that area there where, the, where you see from the beginning to the end of the, of the actual uh, device. But the blood inlet is at the end of the, of the catheter, and the blood outflow is at the, uh, during the, uh, the body of the catheter, up proximal from there. Now the catheter diameter, the, the catheter is only nine French, but the actual device there is 19 French. But even though they call it a 5.5, which is basically the, 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 the liter of per minute flow, it can flow up as high as 6.0 liters a minute on this device, which is pretty impressive. So here again, just the family of devices, and these are the left side devices. They do have one right side device. And if you notice, starting on the left, you have the original one, Impella 2.5, and then they improved it with Smart Assist, and then they had a faster device, more powerful, the 5.0. You notice how those all have those soft pigtails that need to stay uh, uh, coming out of the end of them. And those pigtails were designed to keep the end of the catheter, the inflow, off the myocardial wall of the left ventricle, and not sucking down against the myocardium and, uh, and causing flow issues. So they, they put that little flexible pigtail in there to prevent that. The problem was, though, that that little pigtail often got caught on the uh, trabeculae of the, uh, of the cordae, I mean, of the, my, of the uh, mitral valve. Yeah. And so that little pigtail, even though it was flexible, a lot of times would get hooked on the cordae tendon. So then they came out with um, the devices there, the last two on the right, where they don't need the, uh, the pigtail any longer the Impella LD and then the Impella 5.5, as we're going to talk about today, no longer need that pigtail on the end of it. So what this is, it's a microaxial blood pump, basically like a turbo turbine that you see in a, in a jet plane or something similar to that. The catheter is 9 French uh, based a catheter, but the microaxial pump, the actual device on the, uh, on the end of the cannula, uh, on the end of the catheter is 19 French. So you need a 21 French sheath to feed this through. Okay, so if, if you're going to put this in, you have to be cognizant of, of the same thing of putting about a 21 French cannula, which, which for ECMO and adults, that's not asking a lot. We usually put in quite a bit larger than that. Uh, there is a low anticoagulation regime, regime that goes on with this. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, <coughs> needs minimal bedside support. So you get a single access point, and there's different options for how to insert this. Uh, you don't have to rupture the septum or go across the atrial septum or anything like that. There's no priming. There's no blood outside the body, no real bleeding involved. And, of course, they're, they're trying to compete with uh, ECMO a little bit here by saying you do not need multiple large cannulas to be inserted to get this working. And um, it gives you basically the big feature that it starts with is direct ventricular unloading. And in this particular one, delivers 5.5 liters a minute from the ventricle, which is pretty impressive for a tiny device to flow that much. <clears throat> so let's take a look at the anatomical placement. You see here, you're going to see a video here, and you see how the device is sitting in the left ventricle and how it's inflowing and then outflowing on the aortic root. Okay, you can insert this two different ways through an axillary. You put a graft in to the axillary uh, artery, and then you feed the cannula down that graft. 
and into the uh, axillary, and then it's going to drop down into the aortic arch and come down. Now you're doing this across the wire, across the aortic valve, and then it's in, in place. You can also do this with the chest open directly into the aortic root with an open chest scenario. And you see here how the blood flow is being pumped up into the aorta, and there's sensors there that is, the smart technology gives you an indication of what you're doing and the flows and the pressure. So here's the catheter. It looks a lot like this. It hooks up to the console with about an eight-foot uh, drive line, and it gives you all the readings. It's an intelligent screen. It can tell you what's going on. And you can also manage this from an app, by the way, on your phone. That's awesome. So here's awesome. what it looks like. The advantage is not a femoral insertion. If you do this, it can go into the axillary, and the patient's mobility is so much better with this type of insertion. So this is what it looks like, the Impella 5.5. Some of the, this is a shorter catheter, so it, it doesn't have to be near as long to insert up the femoral artery and also not being inserted femorally, as you just saw in the video, the patient can be very mobile now. So if you look here at some of the features, go back, go back to that, that slide. So backwards, yeah. So this slide, if you look at the left, one of the reasons they call it smart assist technology is it has this optical pressure sensor. You see the red uh, LED, but it's also a pressure sensor uh, on, the, on the device itself, on the outlet of the device that's going to be in the aorta. And if you look over to the right, you see where the inlet, as I mentioned, is at the end, comes up through the rigid cannula, and then out of the outlet there where the smart, smart assist sensors are located. And by the way, the, the, the impella itself, a lot of people think the impella and the motor is down near the inlet, down into the left ventricle. It's not. It's up in the aorta where the outlet, where that yellow, where that blue uh, circle is saying outlet. That's where the actual uh, uh, impella motor is located. So it suctions blood out of the left ventricle, and then it empties it right there at the outlet where the, where the impella is into the aorta. And then you would just take the, um, continuing on, on the uh, cannula, you see there's a, a suture to the suture to the skin, a sterile sleeve lock, and then a red impella a plug, basically where uh, next to that is the purge start on. We're going to talk about this system needs a constant purge to keep the motor from being plugged up with stagnant blood. And then, of course, it would just plug into the console driver there at the end. So, you know, probably Joe and Sammy and, and uh, Patrick, a good way of looking at this, and one reason why it's, it's gain so much traction is that it's really a balloon pump uh, on steroids. I mean, it's just, you know, tenfold what we hope we ever could get out of a balloon pump. Because the first thing it does, on the left you'll see it decreases end diastolic volume and decreases end diastolic pressure of the, of the left ventricle, or the right ventricle if you insert it on the right, but primarily looking at the left, um, which is always a great advantage for a struggling heart to relieve the stress and strain and the O2 demand on the left ventricle. So it decreases oxygen demand. And by increasing the blood flow into the aorta, you're now increasing the oxygen supply, right? So basically, if you look there where it says AOP, aortic pressure, aortic pressure is increased, which gives you an increased blood supply to the coronaries. It also gives you an increased blood flow, an increased blood pressure. So you get systemic hemodynamic support while relieving uh, oxygen demand and increasing oxygen supply. 
So there you see the picture that I was saying before, the location of the impella. And so this rotating impella pulls blood through the cannula, from the left ventricle, from the end, up through the cannula. And um, the, uh, automatic, the automated controller, you know, you, you control how fast the impeller rotates. It says that it's automated there, but it doesn't automatically adjust the speed. You manually adjust the RPMs of it, just like we do on any of our other type of uh, pumps. And so, of course, the rotation speed is proportional to the flow. Higher RPMs is going to result in higher flow, assuming that you have the preload volume in the left ventricle in which to uh, retrieve from. So you see, as soon as the blood comes up uh, into the cannula and meets the impeller, it then exits right away, right out, right outside that impeller blade. So is the, is the exit of the, uh, of the into the aorta. So basically, the way that this pump um, operates, it operates on something called P levels, which basically stands for a power level, the amount of, you know, power you're going to energy you're going to you're going to ask to be delivered to the to the to the drive to the drive line and to the impeller. And at, at P zero there at the bottom, you have zero RPMs and zero flow. And as you go up P one, P two, three, four, you notice on the right that the revolutions basically jumps up somewhere between two to 3,000 RPMs each time you go up to a P level. And you can see that you have on the second column what your corresponding flows you would expect your flows to be. And the range for each P level gives you there. So for example, if you're at a P level five and you're wanting to flow 4.5 liters, but you're not flowing 4.5 liters, you're flowing only four liters, then you probably have, you're asking for too many RPM compared to the amount of uh, filling volume you have in your left ventricle, meaning you're sort of sucking down. And if you do that, you know to lower your P level and get your flows back to where you're not sucking down like you normally would see with a lot of our pumps. Similar thing can, can, can happen. So now we look at the controller itself. And this is just the actual unit that the uh, driveline catheter hooks into. It's the interface that basically helps you monitor and control the the impella pumps. Um, and here's where we get involved with something called the purge system. There's a purge system, which is a, uh, we're going to talk about exactly, but it basically is a small amount of saline fluid. It's actually D5W that is pumped into the backside of the impella motor itself to keep blood from accumulating and, and sludging up the rotation of the impella and, and, uh, and where the axial is. And so also, this has a backup power, which is operated with either the wall or has at least a 60-minute battery, depending, of course, on how much you're asking the unit to do. A lower level, of course, a lower P level, you would probably have a longer than 60-minute battery life. So this is what it looks like on the IV pole. And um, by the way, that controller there is just sitting in a holder on that IV pole. You can There's a handle on the top of it. You can pick that right up off that IV pole, put it right on the patient's bed, and you don't need that IV pole at all. It's just a convenience if you prefer to have it on the IV pole. But it does come with a nice wide stance, good good uh, heavy wheels on it, so it's easy to roll. And of course, this uh, this controller is going to help you, you know, prime the, the system and in initially get it going. It's going to detect flows. It's going to help de-air the, the purge system mostly. Um, it's a high-resolution display, very easy to read. It's easy to transport this unit because, like I said, you can detach from the IV pole, so there's no issues with the ambulance or fixed wing or helicopter. And then it has the automatic purge system. And this automatically controls 
the purge system. We're going to talk about what that is here coming up. So just looking at the uh, controller briefly, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's a combination touchscreen and selector knob. That big selector knob there actually helps you rotate and select things up and down on the screen. And then when you press that large knob, you press it in, it will click, and that will give you the enter of what it is you're trying to bring up. If you want to bring up the display screen, you rotate the knob to display, and then you press on that large selector knob, and up comes the display screen. So, so it is a touch screen also, but this selector knob gives you something nice and rigid that you can click on, sort of like a, a heavy-duty enter button. But it also rotates for selection. So here's some of the things you have on the touch screen. You, your alarms go off. You can touch right there and mute the alarm. You can go into your flow controls. You can change your different displays. There's different four or five different displays that the um, screen can give you for settings and, and looking at history and things like that. The purge menu gives you all the information about what's going on with that purge I keep talking about. And then you can get to a main menu button as well. So not to get too deep in the weeds, a little bit hard to see on some of these, but if you see there on the placement screen up on the upper left, it's pretty much the main screen you're going to use. And you're going to see an aortic pressure line. You see the red wave with actual aortic pressure numbers. It also gives you a left ventricular pressure wave, which is in the white one there, which gives you LV systolic and LV end diastolic, which tells you a lot about how well you're unloading your left ventricle. And this smart assist technology with the catheter that has now these sensors on it can detect what is the left ventricular pressures and, uh, and the end diastolic pressure. So you see there, it says the left ventricular pressure is 99 over 3. If that end diastolic pressure of 3 were to go very, very negative, you know, you might be sucking up against the myocardial wall. If it goes very, very positive, you know, 12, 15, 20, then you need to increase your flows because you're not fully unloading the left ventricle. And then in the green at the bottom, this basically gives you some power indications, tells you how hard the pump is working, how much energy it's drawing. And that, that you can look into further. It kind of tells you if you're overflowing the system, meaning you're working the pump too hard for how much flow you're generating, and also gives you a good idea of how well the pump is working. That's something you can get more experience with if you get this device and you use it. Hey, so John, this, uh, hey John, I don't mean to, yep. John, I don't mean to interrupt you, but we're, we're running a little bit behind on time. So okay. can we sort of move forward with this? It's sort of an introduction. I think we're almost, think we're almost done, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. So the, the, uh, the, the task bar at the bottom shows you on every screen you get to your flows and your RPMs. So you can always have an eye on your flows and pressures and uh, RPMs. Go ahead. And then um, the purge system, real briefly, is just a cassette line that you hook into the console and you're going to connect it to a uh, go ahead you're going to connect it to a uh, uh, it's going to keep flushing the impeller so there's no blood stagnant blood that accumulates in the impeller motor itself that's what the purpose of it is so it's a high pressure line that drips very slowly about two to ten milliliters per hour are going to keep that from getting clogged up with blood so it creates a pressure barrier so blood cannot get get clogged up in the and the axial rotation there. Go ahead. So you're basically going to make a D5W with 25 units per milliliter bag. You're going to hook it up to the cassette. The, the console is going to purge it for you, and you're going to connect it up to the end of the catheter, and it's going to take care of itself after that. 
And that's what it looks like inside the console. It has a disk. It walks you through it on the screen. And it gives you, uh, you know, ideas of, of what you're flowing. It's going to flow about 2 to 30 millis per hour. You do have to keep in mind how much heparin you're giving the patient. There's a small amount of heparin that is going into the patient there with this purge. And there you can look at the history and see how much you've been purging, how well it's been working, and you can calculate how much heparin you might be giving the patient if you're worried about bleeding. And also you can do, uh, this is the last slide, you can also give, put less heparin in that bag. The manufacturer allows you to put half amount of the heparin in that bag if you have issues and concerns about bleeding. So I think that's all we have there, guys. Mm. Is it? Yeah, I think, John, I think we need to wrap this up. I'm sorry, but we're going to run done. out of time. That's the last slide. However, uh, yeah. Oh, okay, great. So that was... thank you. Um, that was a very comprehensive review. I really wish Abiomed would have paid either you or I about <laughs> $50,000 for that. Our, our, our intention here is more introductory to something that is kind of a new technology. So they're 15-minute quick kind of go, you know, get it, get it introduced and let people do their own looking at it uh, versus, you know, that was pretty comprehensive and I appreciate it very much. I do think that I've gotten a couple of comments and I just want to point it out. I do think the Abiomed is a good device. I don't think it's a, Impella. an Impella, yeah. the Abiomed Impella. I don't think it is the, the, the panacea that they try to describe it as. Um, I think the left-sided Impella, when you get up to six liters like that and then the RV is failing, now you need another solution. I think we're going to have a very good debate, and it could be, a, not today, but it will be a good debate over VA ECMO with perhaps either an Impella or a tandem uh, transeptal in order to decompress the LV or whether it is uh, really the device that should be used when you have that much heart failure, when you're flowing six liters or five and a half liters, the, I, it's hard for me to believe the RV is just operating perfectly normal. And then, of course, you run into the problem of overloading the RV. with no, Now you have to deal with decompressing it. But those are discussions for another day. I, I've gotten some comments online about Abiomed being somewhat anti-perfusion. Mm -hmm. um, we had the whole episode with them and the FDA talking about uh, 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 ECMO and how our charges or how the hospital's reimbursements for charges were dropped. So, you know, do I think it's a good device? Yes, I think that it is a good device. I think it is a good device when used in the appropriate circumstances. I think VA ECMO is a good technology, a good technique when used in the appropriate circumstances. I think both combined are good to use in the appropriate circumstances. So, you know, I, I think that a lot of these technologies, doesn't matter who what company it is, try to say theirs is the one that solves all of your problems. We're the only one that you need. And I think that's fundamentally flawed thinking. That's my view. What say you? Well, can I backtrack a little bit to the MC3 because I have an answer yes. for Ricky? So it is approved for 48 hours in the U.S. and 14 days in Europe. They did do additional testing uh, for um, up to 30 days. They found good performance, but FDA is approved for 48 hours for that and 14 days in Europe. Excellent. That's Thank great. you very yeah. much. Yeah. Thank um, you for that. I appreciate yeah. it. Sure. Oh, okay. So back to the Impella. Um, 
I agree with you. I think it's it's a very useful device. I think that um, it has its place like many devices do. I don't think necessarily I've had a lot of good experience when I'm using the 5.5 actually being able to reach those maximum flows. And of course it is dependent on volume, um, but for lower flows, more of a support, um, I've seen better, um, better... Uh, LV venting. Yes, exactly. And, or just for mild dysfunction, enough right. dysfunction that you need support better than just a balloon pump. Yeah, I've had a really good um, experiences with it in the cath lab for um, yeah. temporary support during mm. procedures. That's when I've seen the best type other than the LV vent. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. John, very excellent, comprehensive review. I really think you need to send Abiumet a bill. I'm not kidding. <laughs> that was way, way, well, that was really good. And I want to try to avoid that as much as possible in terms of I don't want to be advocating for a device or appearing to advocate for any device from our program's perspective. Um, I just much. think John is very thorough. And so anyone who hasn't had any experience with that, you definitely understand the entire system now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay.